Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Hey, John Boy, how's the weather? John Morosi. JP can provide some clarity as to what went on. JP. Bob, I will do my best. Columnist for MLB.com. Morosi. Hey, where is Jeff Passan in all of this? Uh, here's uh, John Morosi. Where is Jeff Passan? Should we just man? call Jeff Passan right now? Yes, just call him. Fox Sports baseball contributor. JP Morosi had it first. How you feeling, Padres fans? MLB Network Insider. Aaron Judge back to the Yankees. John Morosi was the first to report it, and it is true. NBC Sports contributor. How about that Battle of Alberta, man? What a game last got night. Got to go, Jeff. Got to run, matter. John. Yeah. All the best. Does Thank not matter. I could care less. See, see you, John. That's John Morosi. <laughs> John Morosi. I'm so happy I can't lie to you. It's the best moment of my life. All the fans who are here supporting me it means the world. With Parkinson Spiegel on 670 The Score. Our friend and yours, one of the biggest reporters in the game, John Morosi on the Circa Resort and Casino Hotline, Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. JP, it's been too long, my friend. It has been. Danny and Anthony, uh, great to be with you this afternoon. And, and Danny, I think that with Anthony in, don't we have some full license to talk a little Big Ten football at the end, my friend? No. No? Okay. We'll, we'll stick to baseball. Jim <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> we, we, we actually have Peter. You're, you're, the guest who follows you is Peter Skaronsky, the tackle from Northwestern, who's going to be a top 10 pick in the draft. So we're, we, just, we can't have too much Big Ten uh, right. football talk. We, we've got just the right amount. I, I yeah. just want to say to Anthony that I did visit Kinnick when I was at the Field of Dreams game, and I loved it. So there you Very go. Very nice, as you should have. That was a great decision by you. My blood pressure is going up. Um, <laughs> anyway. Uh, Okay, so I'm sorry to start on a downer of a story, but it is a big story, and it's an important one. Um, What is reasonable to say that the White Sox should have known about Mike Clevenger in this situation when they signed him? Danny, it's a great question. And um, one of the things that I will say that MLB has been very forthright about and very transparent about ever since the domestic violence policy came into effect as it is right now is that there has to be anonymity in reporting and that also the investigations when they happen are done with extreme discretion in such a way as to not make them publicly known I suppose as they are going on out of respect to all the parties involved And I think in this case, because of the way that the CBA is written, because of the way uh, the union has uh, partial oversight over this program, the confidentiality of of the player is 
paramount as well in terms of letting everybody uh, have this this investigation go forward without anyone on the outside knowing. Obviously, when it becomes publicly known, it's it's a different story in the case of Clevenger. So, I I certainly would withhold harsh judgment on the White Sox for not knowing something in terms of what is going on in the MLB investigation. Now, if you want to say that separately, they didn't do their homework on on character issues and speaking with uh, personnel, whether it was with the Padres or other places he had been previous to that, that's a separate conversation. But in terms of the, the anonymity and the discretion that's part of these investigations, if by the letter of the rule, Danny, the White Sox or you or I or anybody else we're not supposed to know outwardly what was going on with that internal investigation. It's not an entirely separate conversation, though. Like, I, I get it. You're, you're not supposed to know about an active investigation because we only want you to know about the investigation if there is enough uh, evidence to warrant punishment and a suspension and innocent until proven guilty and all of that stuff. I can, I can accept that. And like you said, it's collectively bargained and the players' union is strong and they want to protect their players. I... I'm with you, but people knew, and there were, you know, there. these are different things, but there there was a post from his uh, ex-wife about serial philandering, which obviously, you know, if you're not going to sign a baseball player who cheats on his wife, you're not going to sign a lot of baseball players. And then there was the incident with Plesak, which happened in Chicago, you know, kind of flaunting the COVID protocols and... From someone that I talked to, it was like, yeah, you know, maybe they didn't know about this, but it was pretty well known within baseball that Clevenger, not a good dude. Uh, And I don't know, John. I don't know what is fair to say in terms of, like, how much due diligence. Anthony was telling stories earlier about how much vetting NFL teams do for fourth-round draft prospects, much less dudes at the top. You know, they gave this guy $12 million. They were on a limited budget. What did they know about Mike Clevenger, the person outside of this allegation? Because apparently there's a lot of stuff there that isn't so good. It's a very fair question, Danny. And, and obviously, he wore out his welcome with Cleveland. Uh, and then the Padres apparently did not make much of an effort to re-sign him. And so when you're moved on from two different organizations, it's fair to ask a lot of questions. And I'm sure the White Sox did ask some questions, but they apparently did not ask the right questions of the right people to get at the core of what was going on. And now this is really an issue for two organizations to deal with. Number one, uh, what did the Padres know during the course of last year? And number two, what what did the White Sox know at the time that they signed him? I think it's fair to say that if the White Sox knew that a, that a serious high-level domestic violence investigation was ongoing, they would not have signed him. I, I'm, I'm quite confident in saying that. Uh, but it, it does raise the question about the, the due diligence being done on character issues, broadly speaking, in, in sports. And I, I think this is why it, it is crucial for leagues to have domestic violence policies in effect, to be able to discipline players apart from the, the criminal justice process, because uh, we know of plenty of, cases, plenty of cases in the course of sports history where conduct has, has been reprehensible and wrong, even if it did not result in a conviction. And so I think it's important for leagues to be able to, to stand for something when it comes to what they believe is acceptable and what they believe is not. But this is clearly, at the moment, a, a disastrous set of circumstances for the White Sox. And as we speak right now, based on where the investigation stands and how much road there is still to go in it, 
I'm not sure if there's a good answer as to what the White Sox can or even should do in this exact moment. And the the timeline moving forward here then, you know, have a, sort of the, the initial precedent that, that was set with how things played out with Trevor Bauer and the league itself getting involved in in that scenario. So folks going to start reporting in a couple of weeks here. Well, what's a reasonable expectation for the White Sox to publicly do something about this? Anthony, it's a great question. And now that it is publicly known that there's this investigation going on, the what we sometimes will see is that MLB will will work with the union and and look at what is a reasonable amount of time to ascertain as many facts as they can before making a decision, and they will place a player on administrative leave. And I think it's fair to say that we will not see Clevenger pitch in a in a White Sox game until this matter is resolved one way or the other um, by MLB's policy. And typically that is done by, uh, again, having an administrative leave go through a period of weeks. In some cases, uh, some extreme cases, it's taken months. And and so all of this is to add up and say, from an, from an on-field perspective, it's going to be a while if ever in terms of seeing a Clevenger pitch in a game for the White Sox. And and they probably, Anthony, from from your question, they probably have to proceed as if he's not going to be part of the team on opening day, just because the reality is when we've seen cases like this proceed, it takes a while. And and to be honest, it should take a while to be thorough and fair to everybody involved. Um, And so I think that the baseball consideration is now far down the list of what's appropriate to really worry about at the moment. And I think the White Sox have to move forward as if he's not going to be part of the team uh, during the course of spring training and probably on opening day. I think most of us who who don't have to concern ourselves with Jerry Reinsdorf pockets would would end up saying that, okay, once you know he's definitely an awful human being who did these horrible acts, then just cut the check and move on. If the White Sox are in a position where they're trying to evaluate how much of the $12 million that they can recoup if they move on from Clevenger, what what are their potential recourses to to maybe do that? You know, that's a great question as well, Anthony. And and obviously the the, the part of the policy as it's written – um, it's it's difficult it's difficult for a team to to release a player and pursue getting the money back separate from the suspension if there is one for domestic violence and, and by that I mean if if MLB comes back and says we believe that that his actions warrant a suspension of X number of games let's just say it's 30 then then basically then the White Sox would not have to pay him for those 30 games, but if they release him and they're still on the hook for the balance of the season, they would still have to pay that money. So for whatever portion of the year he would be suspended, they would they would not have to pay him for those games. But if the if this situation goes to an arbitrator or it's grieved one way or the other, whatever he is considered a, a an active player for this year, they would have to pay him that salary. Now they can pay him that salary as a as a released player. Yeah, I was gonna say, can they can they cut him today? They could, they could. Okay, but but they would then have to wait for the process to play out to determine how long uh, they would have to actually pay him. And I think Danny, to your question, they could cut him today, but from a from a practical standpoint, you probably would just keep him on your restricted list as long as the investigation is going on, if he's on administrative leave, which is very possible to happen here in the weeks ahead, and then you would not have to pay him necessarily for whatever amount that he suspended. 
John Morosi is our guest, National Baseball Insider for the MLB Network. We always appreciate uh, the context. Did you expect Scott Rowland to make it into Cooperstown? Uh, I was nervous that there was going to be a shutout uh, here in Cooperstown this week. Uh, as I was seeing the vote tracking, of course, his numbers had dropped by seven percentage points uh, from the publicly shared ballots to the actual one a year ago. So with his numbers hovering around 7980, I was I was concerned that it was going to drop below 75 and I'm glad that he did not because he's a very deserving uh, Hall of Famer and he's just a great story and you know all of us as Midwesterners we can appreciate his story. He was a multi-sport athlete until the day he signed with the Phillies, which I love as just a sports parent and someone who believes there's a great power in, in playing multiple sports as you grow up. You know, Scott was runner-up for Mr. Basketball in the state of Indiana, which all of us who are from the Midwest know that is not an honor that is uh, given out lightly. And I think that his athleticism and, and the way he played the game, the tenacity with which he ran the bases and played defense, he said something great last night, which was he played defense with an offensive mentality as if he wanted to tackle every ball hit to him at third base, which I just loved. He's just, he is a, he is an absolute Hoosier in every sense of the word. Uh, I just, I, I love the way that he represents the game. He's given back to his community in Indiana so much. So he's a very deserving choice. I think now we look at the ballot and see Todd Helton getting very close, Billy Wagner getting very close. I think they'll both get in next year with Adrian Beltre. So by having McGriff and Roland this summer and then probably three choices next summer in the summer of 24, I think we're back into a good routine of electing some very deserving candidates on a routine basis. And Pat Hughes this summer. And Pat Hughes yeah. and John Lowe. So we've got, but with having Pat Hughes and uh, John Lowe of the Detroit Free Press, uh, a very a very solid Midwestern contingent. And, of course, Fred McGriff, uh, briefly, as you know, Danny, a former Cub. Yes, of course, of course. Of course. What about Andrew Jones? Why, why not Andrew Jones? He should be. He was on my ballot. I am, and this is going to surprise you, Danny. I am a big Hall guy. I like I like the party. I like the party to be as big as it can be in the summer in Cooperstown uh, to tell the story of the game through having as many inductees as possible. So I vote for Andrew Jones. I vote for Gary Sheffield. I vote for Jimmy Rollins. I vote for Mark Burley. By the way, okay. I'm, I'm glad that Burley is staying on the That's ballot. Be my question. Thank you, Anthony. And and, and so to, I'll get I'll get to Andrew Jones first, and then I'll go to Burley. So Andrew Jones for me that 10 year block where he was winning the gold glove every year, that was sensational. That was historically significant. The home runs at Yankee Stadium in the World Series as a teenager, that matters. Playing for a team that's in the playoffs every single year, that matters. Uh, I, I am someone who believes that the plaques in that great hall should tell the story of the generations in which the players played. And Andrew Jones's plaque would do that because of a decade's worth of, of gold gloves and all-star appearances. And Mark Burley, by the way, while not necessarily as dominant as a Pedro Martinez or a Max Scherzer, for example, he had 14 straight years of 200 innings or more. And White Sox fans understand how important he was to the team during that era, how integral that rotation was to that march to the championship in 2005 and how basically they needed what one reliever to get through the ALCS that was a special rotation Burley was the ace of that group uh, you think about the perfect game the no hitter starting an all-star game 
Mark Burley's career, when you look at the the abject shortage of pitchers in the game now, Anthony, who throw 200 innings, Mark Burley looks better and better yeah. as the time goes on. And I think when you compare his resume to CC Sabathia's, when CC comes on in a couple of years, I plan to vote for CC. But I also think Burley's deserving too. When you really look at the value he gave to the White Sox for a decade and a half, I know we. We kind of had the the steroid era Hall of Fame discussion so many times over the years, and it almost feels like maybe there's just folks have kind of acquiesced that the biggest names associated with the steroid era aren't going to get in. Is is there is there a version of that where there's some wing of the hall and asterisk or, or anything that may come? Well, that's a great question, and, and Anthony, I would say this: there is a wing. There are exhibits in the museum part of the hall. So I always want to make sure that, that I draw the distinction between the plaque gallery where all the Hall of Fame members are honored with their, with their busts there, and then the museum itself. And the museum itself, importantly, has artifacts from Pete Rose, from Barry Bonds, from controversial figures of the game's history. So that telling of the game is there. It's, it's present in Cooperstown. But I think honoring them with a plaque is something that a lot of people were not comfortable with. The interesting thing, Anthony and Danny, is that a majority of voters were okay with Bonds, were okay with Clemens, were okay with Schilling. I voted for all three of them. Uh, So they got more than 50%, but not 75. And that's why this Hall of Fame is so darn difficult to get into because increasingly it appears that while a majority of voters are okay with some of the steroid era candidates, it's not a super majority, and it's a super majority that's required. I vote for Gary Sheffield. He has some controversy in his career, but I believe Sheff is a deserving choice, and I'm disappointed that not not more of my colleagues agree with me on that point. Did you vote for Sosa? I did not. So that's an interesting question. Hater. So I did not vote for Sosa, and and I know. Ridiculous. Sorry, Danny, to disappoint you. Hey, 609 homers. <laughs> guy, I know. Guy played every game. He had 2,400 hits. I know. Here's the deal Do you? on Sosa. So I I believe that Sosa hit a bunch of home runs and was a fairly one-dimensional player in an era in which hitting home runs and being one-dimensional was not as special. Bonds was an all-around player. I believe that Bonds, in the fullness of his career, presented more unique value than Sosa did. And I did did not vote for McGuire either. So I'm a no on McGuire. I'm a no on Sosa, and like I'm it. a no on anybody. I, I know that it's splitting hairs here, but I'm a no on anybody who was suspended. So I'm a no on Palmero, no on Manny, no on A-Rod, but I did vote for Bonds and Clemens and Schilling. Um, I would consider voting for Pettit. Uh, he has his Ortiz? own issue. Did Ortiz, Ortiz yes. Ortiz was yes. He was never suspended. Okay. Ortiz was never suspended. And so it's a, it's a distinction. I'm splitting hairs. But that's what we have to do with these ballots. They are tough. We can only vote for 10 players. And interestingly, I said this, and you and you might think that, that I'm really twisting myself into a pretzel here to, to make this logical statement, but I will. I do. Ha- okay, I, I haven't even made it yet. Here it <laughs> is. You already have. If, if, no, if, if, well, it's, not, go. if it's not Sosa Had... and it's suspension versus link to it, I mean, okay. Here you go. If, if A-Rod, if A-Rod had, had stopped with the PED involvement, after the Selena Roberts report, after his famous loosey-goosey statement to my colleague Peter Gammons, if that's where it had ended for A-Rod, I would have voted for him. 
But then he went out and got this massive suspension from the biogenesis scandal and everything that followed that, and I just, I can't look past the suspension. So if he had stopped with the loosey-goosey time, which was admittedly a very murky period in the game's history, I would have said okay. I really would have. I love you. You know that. But, I mean, hmm. he it just hit home runs? It was such a loosey-goosey era. It was such a, a loosey-goosey era. Yeah. There you go. Okay. It was it was it was loosey goosey. So I I take the best players who were truly great all around players from the loosey goosey time. Do we do we do we, do we do we like Sosa's two thousand one season where he led the league in uh, sure in, 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 in runs scored in RBIs. Sure. He hit three twenty eight. Led the league in total bases. So he's pretty all around to me. So here's something, Danny, that I would say on that. And, and I, I have slugged bar- seven thirty. He did. I have to borrow this line from my colleague Joel Sherman, who is a great and discerning reporter and voter on these matters. And Joel Joel says that when he's voting for people during this complicated time, he asks himself, do I believe in this player's career? Do I believe in this player's career? And when it comes to Sosa, I just do not believe in his career. Mm. So subjective. So subjective. <laughs> it is subjective. I know they give you no guidance. And nor do I want the guidance. Mm-hmm. No, nor do I want the guidance. I, I don't want guidance. I want complexity. I, I really believe that as, as complicated as this ballot is, and the extent to which I had to just twist myself in knots to explain how I've done this for 10 years, um, it's, I love the complexity. I love how hard it is. And there's – and as – as frustrating as it can be to look at the ballots of some of my colleagues, I really believe that we are, warts and all, the best group to do the voting. Unless you really want to shrink it down, which I would I would encourage uh, perhaps the BBWA in the future to have a smaller electorate of us, but I still think it should be us. And I, I don't have to be part of the group. I really don't. If, if they wanted to choose 12 people or 25 or 100 that doesn't involve me, fine. God bless you. But I, I think that the writers, because of how we look at things and how we really dive into numbers and nuance and, and subjectivity, because this is a subjective Hall of Fame. It's not based on numbers. And the numbers would, I think, take away, if it was just numbers to me, Anthony and Danny, it would take away a lot of the romance and the complexity of voting. And They saved baseball in 98, John. They did that. They did that. Okay. And, there's, and guess what? <laughs> there's, a, there's an exhibit that has to do with that. In the hall. There's an exhibit. Okay. I just am not sure that I'm comfortable honoring Sosa as one of the greatest players ever. And or by McGuire. the way, the era and McGuire. The era committee the era committee agreed with me. And, oh no, and- yeah, they agreed with you and you were all wrong. <laughs> uh sell sell us on the World Baseball Classic. We we always we, oh. talk, we talk about it on the show, John. Uh American baseball, major league baseball would be better. If, uh, you know, we played more like the international guys and had more fun. So, sell us on it. And why is there a towel around your neck? Two-part question. Uh, So, there's a towel around my neck because I just got done working out here at the hotel. I'm I'm snowed in to Cooperstown. So, it might be a while before I get out. As you know, there's a a good amount of snow going across the Midwest and the Northeast. Uh, So, all I know is that I have another night in Cooperstown, which is great for me. Uh, But uh, the, the secondary part, the World Baseball Classic. I'm glad you asked, Danny. This is the greatest of all the great questions that you've asked me. Because, as you know, uh, the WBC is near and dear to my heart. I will say this. when If, if you have one game to watch as an American sports fan in the month of March, 
Do not concern yourself with March Madness. Watch when the U.S. plays Mexico in Phoenix. Because that game, I I covered that game 10 years ago when the U.S. played against Mexico in Phoenix. And that crowd was at least 60% Mexico fans, maybe even 70%. And it was loud and it was incredible. And those crowds, the crowds, much like the World Cup, it's part of the story. So if you loved watching the World Cup in November and December, and even if you got into it as a casual sports fan, guess what? That same intensity is about to visit the United States in our national pastime. Enjoy. Because those games, Puerto Rico and the Dominican Republic and Venezuela all playing in Miami, my goodness, my ears. I covered that series, uh, that same group, six years ago, and my ears were ringing for three years afterward, and I loved every minute of it. The, the passion, waving the flags, everything about it is just perfect and what we need more of in baseball, and I would love it. Just imagine this. If the final is Shohei Otani in Japan against Mike Trout in Team USA, guys, it does not get any better than that. Until we talk Big Ten football. John, enjoy Cooperstown. We'll talk soon, sir. All the best, guys. It was a pleasure. Thanks, Danny. Thanks, Anthony. Appreciate it. it. That's John Morosi, MLB Network. Peter Skaronsky, top tackle prospect in the draft. Northwestern, maybe a Bears target if they trade down. Next on the score. That is good on good. That's two NFL guys. Gary Nelson, Skaronsky, the all-conference left tackle. You'll see this matchup right here. Skaronsky, the all-American candidate, all-conference left tackle. Has dominated the matchup with anybody on the edge today. And the Wildcats are four and change away from a huge upset. Cam Porter in for Hull after a 22-yard run. They get 11. That was Skaronsky sweeping across the formation to clean out the way. Ten runs in a row for Northwestern. The Parkins and Spiegel Show. Afternoons on the score. From Park Ridge and Maine South and the Northwestern Wildcats. Two-time first team All-Big Ten. Considered the top offensive line prospect in the draft. Peter Skaronsky with us on the score. The Parkinson Spiegel Show. Big Ant Heron in on the Circuit Resort and Casino Hotline. Circuit Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sportsbook. Peter, thanks so much for the time, man. How are you doing? Great, great. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. So, I mean, local kid. You, uh, you a score fan or are you too young to listen to AM radio? No, no, I am. Me and my dad used to listen to it all the time. All right, perfect. So, yeah. like hearing that? Yeah, well... <laughs> I didn't love used to, if I'm, being, if, I, if I'm being honest. We got podcasts. We got an app. But, no, man, so what, what's it like? What, what, what's a day in the life like right now preparing for the draft? Uh, it's, you know, it's pretty intense. I'm um, down here in Dallas training. Um, you know, we're doing two or three workouts a day with lifting and combine training and skill work. Um, so it's a grind for sure. Uh, but, you know, it's just, just part of the process and just enjoying, enjoying my way along. So, yeah. Do you, you – so you – combine training like you basically just prep the drills you're going to run there so that you score as well as you can at the combine that's how it works yes to do that a little bit too um one thing i really appreciate about where i'm at is that yeah we do have that combine specific stuff but i'm i'm training with duke manyweather who's a really uh well-regarded line trainer so we're also just preparing to be better linemen too um which is not really something that every facility does in terms of combine training so I feel like I'm getting the best of both worlds in that sense. 
What's been the the thing you've said, even whether it's your diet or flexibility or anything that, you know, you can maybe have some cursory focus on it when you're playing college football and you're going to class at Northwestern every day. But now that you were just football 24-7 preparing to be a pro, what's something that now you can focus on in this stretch more so than you ever have? I would definitely say diet. Uh, I am not. I was never really the best eater in college, but now it's like all meals prepared for us you know, follow everything to a T. Um, so uh, no more McDonald's runs or anything like that. So I've got to stay strict on that. What was your guilty pleasure food in and around Evanston? Uh, one of my favorite spots actually in Skokie, actually. It's called Herm's Palace. They have a great grilled cheeseburger, which is a, a, a grilled cheese, a burger, and a grilled cheese. So the grilled cheese of the bond, that was probably my biggest guilty pleasure. That's tough to give up, man. That's... Yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> and I love all things where they they take the bread and replace it with something even less healthy, like the McGriddle at McDonald's. Yeah. It's like they turn pancake into right. a, into a bun. It's genius. Right. Taco Bell, yeah. they turn the Doritos in, into the shell. It's it's incredible. Right. The hallmark of unhealthy eating. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. So we're talking to Peter Skaronsky here. Uh, all right, so I'm going to ask you the question that everyone's going to ask you when you start doing these team interviews and you go to the combine. Is, in the NFL, is Peter Skaronsky a guard or a tackle? <laughs> uh, yeah, that definitely won't be the, the last time I hear that question. Um, you know, I think I – well, first first and foremost, I'll play anywhere where anyone asks me to play. Um, so if that's guard or center or tackle, I'll, I'll play it, whatever. You know, I do think that I can play tackle in the NFL. Um, you know, I think I proved that in college with my tape. Um, I don't really care about, you know, the whole arm thing. I think I can overcome that and do just fine. Um, and all the, all the people that I respect in terms of – Opinions on offensive line think the same thing. So I think I can play tackle, but, you know, I'll play wherever wherever people will want me to play. So That's such a weird thing to me. And listen, I mean, if you saw what I looked like, obviously I'm the furthest thing ever from an offensive lineman. But it's like you go through an entire couple of seasons dominating at tackle in the Big Ten, and then they're like, yeah, if his arms were two inches longer, he'd be able to do it at the next one. Like that, that seems ridiculous to me. Does it to you? Yeah, you know, I was—I didn't even really know that my arm length was an issue until I kind of heard rumblings about playing the next level. So I didn't even realize it was a thing. Um, one thing that you know, Duke, who I train with, he points out is that no one really seems to have an answer for guys who have long arms who can't play. You know, no one really seems to have an explanation for that. Um, I just feel like I have proved that I can play regardless of arm length. So it is what it is. I don't really control the opinion on that, but oh well. And you weren't a guy who you were a well-regarded recruit. I called you game in the, the All-American Bowl in San Antonio years ago. And so, you know, folks knew you were going to get to college and do some good things, but you had to step onto the field as a starter a lot quicker than anticipated. Take us back to that 2020 season where Sean Slater ends up opting out because of COVID, and how quickly did you end up realizing you were going to have to be out there playing Big Ten football every snap? Yeah, it was, it was really a whirlwind that whole season with COVID because everything was so in flux. Um, you know, our season was canceled. Rashawn opted out. So then there was sort of a spot open and then the season was brought back. We had like 30 days to get ready for the first game. So there was no real time to think like, oh, this is going to be, the, I'm going to start now or whatever. Like, it was just like we we're at camp. You run with the first team, learn your stuff, go. And so when the season hit, it was just like, all right, I've got some playing big time football here. So um, there wasn't really any time to really think about it or, get into it. I just sort of had to do it, um, which I'm, I'm kind of glad it was that way. I think I would have just overthought it too much if maybe there was too much of a lead up um, 
if you know what I mean. But yeah, it was it was an exciting season. I was fortunate to be out there for that. Peter Skaronski is our guest, uh, Northwestern, Maine South, uh, top tackle prospect or guard, offensive line prospect uh, in this draft. Do you have a relationship with Rashawn Slater? Yeah, yeah, we have a great relationship, actually. Um, he trained with the same guy here for the draft, continues to train with him. Um, and even in college, he was, you know, even though he opted out, we never really spent much time together on campus, but he was always a great resource for me, just over text, um, giving me advice, answering any questions I had. Um, you know, it's kind of cool as a college player to have an all pro tackle in your back pocket, just to bounce questions off of and stuff. Uh, so he's been a great resource to me and really a great teammate, despite never really playing together. What are some of the things that he would help you out with or that you would ask him? You know, it's anywhere from anything technique wise. I mean, I, I could spend hours talking about this really. Um, you know, there were times where I'd be going up against a great defensive end, um, I just asked him to take a look at the guy's films to give me some advice or just sending him clips that I thought I needed to work on or bad reps I might have had. So, honestly, it, it's a huge range of things. Um, but he's been helpful in all facets. When you think about your, your Big Ten career, you've gotten to do it for three seasons, starter in every game. Who's, who's one of the great defensive linemen? Who maybe gave you your toughest test throughout your career? Yeah, I think that I think the answer to that has always been pretty easy to me with Aiden Hutchinson from Michigan playing him last year. Um, obviously, he's number two overall pick and was playing really, really well at the Lions too. So, I think that you know him just being a player he was was a, was a huge challenge for for me personally. Um, you know, he can really do it all. So that that definitely sticks out as the best player I've gone against. Are you a Bears fan? I am not a Bears fan. Um, this is a little bit controversial, I know, being from Chicago. So my grandfather actually played for the Green Bay Packers. So under Lombardi. So I've always been a Packers fan, despite growing up in Chicago. Well, you know, I, I was reading about that. Your grand, uh, Bob Skaronski, right? So he he won five championships with the Packers, including Correct. Super Bowl one and two. That's that's a good reason to be yeah. a Packers fan. What, what was your like? Did, did you hear Ice Bowl stories? What was your relationship like with him? We have a great relationship. Yeah, unfortunately, he's passed on. Um, I've been gone for a few years now. But, um, you know, yeah, like I'm not some kid who grew up in Chicago and just decided he didn't like the Bears and rooted for Green Bay. I actually have a very valid reason to root for that. Um, but, yeah, no, it's, it's just it's so cool having someone like that in your family, just hearing his stories and stuff like that. Um, you know, he was a pretty quiet guy, so he wasn't always talking about those types of things. But, of course, I was always obsessed with it. Um, so I go back and watch like his old films and stuff of the ice bowl or like the old documentaries about that stuff. Um, just cool. And he never really, I'm trying to think of any good stories he had. I can't think of any off the top of my head, but yeah, you know, that, you know, the Packers and in general are just a, a big part of my family and who I am. It's just, just what happened when I was born, I guess it was always supposed to be a Packers fan, at least growing up. All right, well then, uh, hypothetical time, it is talk radio. You are on the score, Peter Skaronski. Let's say the Bears trade down and draft you. I mean, how deep do the, does the green and gold run? Or like, will, will the, will oh, the... yeah. I figured you might ask about that, too. You know, like I said, I wasn't some kid who just decided for Green Bay. It's part of who I am. So like, But, you know, I, I, I have a ton of respect for the Bears. You know, obviously growing up, being a Packers fan, I wasn't a huge Bears guy, but you know I've I've been in this city my whole life. I played football here in college. I know how great of a fan base the Bears have. You know, obviously they've got a great quarterback now. You know, it, it would be a dream to be to stay home and play in my own city and play for play for that franchise that came to that. So 
obviously, you know, I'm not going to be some Packers fan. Like, oh, I won't play for them. Obviously, it'd be it'd be an honor to you know play for that franchise for sure. I was in West Life doing some work for the the Big Ten Network, and I just happened to see your dad out the the night before the game. We were eating at the, the same restaurant, and yeah, I tried to kind of you know ask him a few questions, get a sense for the the game you guys had coming up the next day against Purdue, and just get a sense for like how hyped up he was, how hyped up you were getting ready to close the season out. He seemed like a very kind of understated guy. You know, he didn't want to take any of the bait of talking about how amazing a player you are, very team-focused. So I'm just wondering, like, how long has has this moment been in your head? Because it wasn't like you came from out of nowhere, but you were a guy who started earlier than anticipated, seemed comfortable much earlier than anticipated in your career. Now, just three years later, you're kind of off on this this NFL journey. The NFL has been in your family like you're talking about. So have you been expecting this moment for a long time? You know, first of all, it might be an understatement to call my dad understated. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he, he's definitely like that. Um, you know, I think I, I, I'm like that a little bit too. I'm definitely played by ear, you know. I did not want, you know, I knew a little bit that there was some NFL buzz surrounding my name before the season, but – I just didn't want to get ahead of myself. I wanted to focus on this past season and doing the best I could. So I've never really been one to, you know, think ahead of the next thing. I just want to, you know, excel and complete the current task that I'm doing. Um, so obviously this is a, this is the whole process is a dream go through for sure. But, you know, I'm never really one to, to look ahead and be like, oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to be distracted before, you know, it happens really. So, yeah, I definitely think that I just sort of play it by ear and, let things work out, work out how they will, and just work as hard as I can to make that happen. I see. I think this is your Twitter account, White Sox family. So we have some Chicago sports ties. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, the Packers is really the only non-Chicago team I root for, um, for obvious reasons. I'm a Sox fan, a Bulls fan, Hawks fan, not a Cubs fan. I'm well the Sox, <laughs> but you know, like I've, I've grown up here my whole life, lived here my whole life, so I'm, I'm a, a Chicago guy, a Chicago sports fan. Just you know with the Packers thrown in there for obvious reasons. Do we have any optimism about the White Sox? It's a fairly pessimistic time, it feels like, after this last season. How how, how are you feeling about them? It was definitely, yeah, definitely a disappointing season. Um, I, it's hard to say. I haven't been following too closely recently. Um, but, you know, I, I feel relatively optimistic since they've kept most of their core together. Um, I feel like they have the guys, you know, to get it done. Um you know, to get back to the playoffs. So hopefully that happens. But I, I, I can't say I'm too educated on them right now, but I am a good fan, a big fan, I'd say. Well, you got other things going on. I saw on your your announcement also that you're uh, you're planning to get the degree after the draft. How, how close are you? What's that process going to be like? I'm about, yeah, it'll be difficult just because the draft and the whole rookie year is so, yeah. um, is so overwhelming. But I'm, I'm not too far away. I'm about seven or eight classes away, so... That'll take me a year or two at least, I think. But, you know, obviously now my dad, like, he was big on getting that, um, and I am for sure. So definitely want to have a degree from a top 10 school to in addition to an NFL career. So it'll get done for sure. It's definitely a priority. Now, being a a White Sox fan, you did get to play a game at Wrigley Field a couple of years ago that I, I had the pleasure of calling when you guys faced Purdue over at Wrigley a couple of seasons back. Was there anything about that you were able to appreciate, even though you grew up kind of rooting against the Cubs? Yeah, yeah. I didn't mean to bash the Cubs, but, I mean, that was so cool (laughs) that they let us do that. Um, Actually, a really cool silver lining of that was – 
So not a Cubs fan, but my grandfather with the Packers actually used to play at Wrigley Field when they played the Bears. So I thought it was really cool that I got to play on a field that he played on in the past. Um, I think somewhere in my house, somewhere, there's an old picture of him coming out of the dugout, which is where the locker room at Wrigley Field, like next to Lombardi or something. It's a really cool picture. So I thought that was really cool just to just to share a field with him in a sense. Um, and, you know, just playing in an MLB stadium, you know, a stadium as historic as, as Wrigley was, was awesome. But that was a really cool game for sure and a really great experience. Well, Peter, congratulations on all your success, man. It's only about to get crazier. Thank you for coming on the show. We hope we can do it again, even though a bunch of the people that are texting the show, cross him off the list, F him, he's a Packer fan. We don't want him anyway. You know, we, we, we'll, as the show, we'll still support you, and the, the smarter members of the audience are still rooting for you, man. And yeah. uh, congratulations on that, all your success. I figured people might feel that way. Yeah. Hey, no, again, your grandfather played in the damn ice bowl and won five championships with Lombardi. It's a reasonable reason to be a Packers fan. So Yeah, yeah. And I got tons of respect for the Bears and it would be an honor to play for them for sure. So Peter, thanks for coming on the show, man. We'll do it again. Thank you, sir. Of course. Thanks so much, guys. Thanks, Peter. It's Peter Skaronsky. I love our texters. <laughs> Guy texted in, he's off the list, Packer fan. Then I was like, Hey, you are a White Sox fan, right? He's like yeah, diehard White Sox fan. The guy, same guy, texted back. He's back on the list. <laughs> <laughs> Love that Very guy. Very fickle. Yeah, Very yeah. Fickle. No, the the yeah. mob, the mob is fickle. Absolutely. Uh, Park. How are we doing on the clock? That's what I thought. Parkinson Spiegel, <laughs> Dan Heron in on the score. Hey everybody, we are live. The Parkinson Spiegel Show. Strange twists and turns with the guys over there on the Parkinson Spiegel Show. Afternoons on the score. We're having a little fun. One, two, make you wanna. Uh. Where do you think they'd have to trade down to to get Skaronsky? Ant, certainly outside the top five. But right. You, you, yeah, you, mean, think if he has you, a, you think if he has a good combo? Where you get good value for him? Because, I mean, you could take him number one if you wanted to. But, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Know, no, that's not. I think you'll still have a. Where he would be the best player available. Where where he would be, you know, like, I guess you know. it probably depends on the combine, right? Yeah, like, I mean, sitting here on January 25th, because, um, like, Paris Johnson of, of Ohio State, he's in that conversation for maybe the top tackle yeah. in the draft also. Um, you know, Paris Johnson could go to the combine and just, like, blow it up and maybe be viewed as that. But film versus film, Skaronsky is a more consistent guy as both run blocker and pass protector. You know, the, the arm length, when used properly, great players with long arms. Yes, it does make a difference just physically in your stature. But the, the good thing, the benefit of Skaronsky could be that if you project him as a tackle, like Tristan Wirfs, who came out of Iowa a few years ago, had this sort of, you know, same, same kind of grade, same kind of perception as a guy like, is he a guard? Is he a tackle? We're not completely sure. sure. He goes to Tampa, he's been completely fine. But the build and the arm length, even though Wirfs is a, a more explosive athlete than Skaronsky is, but as far as the arm length and the build, that was a part of that perception. Was eh, Maybe he projects more to guard because of some of those factors. But that, that is... In turn, an offensive line coach will eventually view that as a good thing once Peter Skaronsky's in the room. The team on the whole evaluating him will say, if we're going to take a guy in the top ten, got to be confident. We can start him from jump as a tackle, preferably a left tackle. And there are some things from a movement perspective that he'll need to prove. But the, the film, I mean, film is imperfect. He plays against good players. He gets beat on occasion. But, yeah, I mean, the film is stellar. One year ago today, the Bears hired Ryan Poles. We had a lot of conversation yesterday about Eberflus. Want to do the same, kind of evaluating what we think of the Bears' general manager. You said you wanted to talk some Jalen Johnson. I want to talk a little division uh, or some championship Sunday with you before we're out of here. And, I mean, come on. 
you got to answer some questions. One last thing. We end the show with, the, right. with the listeners' questions. We yeah. didn't get a chance to do it yesterday. We were out for Bulls basketball. So a busy last hour with Ant Heron in for Matt Spiegel. Parkinson Spiegel on the score. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh, oh. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.